This is the non-microwave truth. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us today. You could be doing a lot of different things. You could be listening to a lot of different podcasts, listening to some music, listening to something, but you chose to tune in today, and that's love. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I don't take that lightly. And definitely big shout out and thank you to the people that have written reviews. Hit the five star. If you haven't done it and you enjoy the podcast, a sentence or two review and you like it. If it's hate, just keep it off. If you don't like it, just don't hit anything. You feel me? First world problem question today is all about you. I'm thinking about like, all right, if I was to do another series or do a series or a topic, what do you want to hear about? What do you want to discuss on the non-microwave truth? Let me know what you're thinking. Instagram or Twitter, my handle is championlife23. We're going to get straight to the point today. I need you to hit me up. Instagram or Twitter, let me know a series or some topics or some things you want to have us discuss on the non-microwave truth. And if this is your first time joining into the podcast, this is not usually how it starts off. You should just go back to any other episode before this and you will see how the first world problems usually go but yeah switching it up a little bit because i want to hear from you i want to hear from the non-microwave truth supporters Lotto. and this is our first world problem it is dinner time the title of our episode today is god's grace angers me God's grace angers me. Now, I got to paint this picture for you. You get invited to this super fun, super special, like guaranteed best banquet, best party that you will ever, ever attend. And it's a guarantee. But you hear about the guest list. And on the guest list, you hear that there will be people there that have committed murders. People there that have committed adultery. People there that have raped someone. There's people there that have done drugs and sold them. There are thieves. There are liars. There are people that have struggled with their sexuality. There are even people there that have done great harm to you. And there are people there who have committed some sins that absolutely annoy you. Would you want to go to this party? Would you want to be at this banquet? What would you do with the invitation that you got? I want you to think about that and I want you to be real. I want you to really think about what are you feeling? What are you thinking in your mind? What would you do? You know what you would do? Now, if you haven't figured this out, I'm, I'm talking about eternal life. And I'm talking about the party and the banquet that we're going to have with our triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some people say the Holy Ghost. And I just want to point out, though, it's not out of the norm if you thought to yourself, well, that's a lie. This party definitely and obviously isn't the best party ever. It, it can't be if all those people are going to be there. And it's not out of the norm. If you thought to yourself, man, I'm too classy or I'm too good to be around these type of people. But I do have to remind you what James 2 verse 10 through 13 says. It says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those 
who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So if you didn't catch that or you didn't understand what that passage was saying, we are all B-A-D. We're all bad. And I can guarantee that in our minds, we look at another person and say, all right, I might be bad, but I'm definitely not as bad as them. They are the absolute worst. They are the worst. It's not me. They are the worst. And I know Jesus died for my sins, so I'm all good. Yeah, but do you understand that that person that you can't stand or that person that you think is worse, Jesus also died for their sins? And that, my friends, is why at times God's grace angers me. God's grace angers you. Now, let me give you an example, an example that's not as drastic as murder or someone attacking you. Let's look at this example that I've heard a number of times. I have heard people say like, man, she looked at me and I could tell something was wrong. Have you ever thought that maybe that person was just having a bad day? No, no, this is not the first time they've done that to me. I know something is up. All right, let's say the roles are flipped and you are that person that wasn't that friendly. And word gets back to you that the other person thought that you were being rude or snotty or very standoffish. I've heard people be like, you know, I just had got some bad news. And then the other time I was just really, really tired. Like, can they just cut me a break? I'm not usually like that. They just caught me on a couple of bad times. But, you know, if if I would have been in their position and I would have saw them like, you know, a little down, I would have asked them what's wrong and try to make it better. I wouldn't take it like that. Girl, please, that's cap. Most people actually take it like that. They do. We feel like the way we treat people is just so good. And if we didn't treat them good, then there's always a legit and valid reason. We weren't feeling good or something bad happened in our life. And we really been going through it. And we demand grace. We want grace. But. We don't want to hear those legit reasons and those excuses from somebody else. Like we want and demand grace, but we don't want to give it. But I'm always the person giving grace, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, you're not. You are not always giving grace. You aren't God. He's the only one, the only one who is always giving grace. And on this episode of God's grace angers me, we're going to look at John chapter eight, verse two and on. And this is the woman who was caught in adultery. You talk about not wanting to give someone grace and wanting to condemn them and forgetting how much grace has been given to us. This is the epitome of that. Chapter eight, verse two says, at dawn, he appeared in the temple courts talking about Jesus, where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Just think about that. They brought in a woman, brought her where all the people gathered, they brought her there to make it public. They wanted to expose her. That's like when people are like, man, we're about to cancel her. We're about to expose her. This will be like people today posting this woman sucks and she needs to go. And they're hoping that this gets like a million likes and reposted and retweeted like the whole shebang. They didn't bring her to Jesus to help her, but just to humiliate her and highlight her flaws. And we know that because it says they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. 
And the whole caught thing is just wild to me. It's like, were they being peeping times? Like, how did they catch her in adultery? But that doesn't really matter. And something that I just found so interesting is they brought the woman. But where is the man? We all have a double standard on a number of things. Did they not bring the man because they saw themselves in the man and they could empathize with his sin, but they couldn't empathize with the sin of the woman? And that's probably the biggest reason why we hate double standards in our culture. But it's been like that since the fall of man. Now, I don't know why they didn't bring the man, but they definitely brought that woman. And it says in verse five, it goes on. It says in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. Isn't it annoying when people ask you a question with no intent of actually getting an answer and having a discussion? They just doing it to try to trap you or make you slip up. Oh, people got this bad on social media. And how many people take the bait? I just had a question. I was wondering, what did you think about? And then they got 100 comments and people arguing back and forth. And it's two sided. Like this is what they were trying to do with Jesus. It goes on to say. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Oh, that's deep. That's super deep. And when Jesus says that, he exposes. He exposes a common sin that you and I have. And that's a sin of desiring to punish the sins of others while ignoring our own sins while ignoring our own flaws. It says in verse eight, again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. She said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. And that's something I just really want to point out. Jesus says, neither do I contend you. Jesus didn't come to send people to hell. He came to say that's something where people always ask that question. Like, why does a loving God send people to hell? Jesus came to save. He is love. And you notice he did tell her, go now and leave your life of sin. And I'll touch upon that later. But. I thought we had to look at the Roe versus Wade overturning. And on this episode of God's grace angers me, I thought that it was very fitting to, to discuss that and look on that. Look at that. Now, on one hand, ask yourself, are you a part of the group that if a woman does want to have an abortion and we look at God's word and we say, you know what? There is a child that she is murdering. So we want to stone these women. We want to point out how wrong this is. It's murdering for crying out loud. We want to point out that there are alternative routes like adoption. Or maybe you could just keep your legs closed is what some people would think. And I just want to remind everyone that God's grace extends to these people as well. Jesus was the only one who rightfully could have thrown a stone. But he didn't because he came to pay the debt and to save every single person. Now, there are three application points that I have with this. The first one is, this is definitely not something to argue about or debate with people on social media. Like, not at all. That's just not the place. That's just not the setting. 
people can't have civilized conversations on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever you want to use. The Pharisees, they took the woman to a public place to shame her. And that's not something we want to do with someone who possibly has gotten an abortion or is thinking about an abortion. My second application point is this. Think about the women. Empathize with her. Like, ask yourself, why does she want to go this route? If you think about it, in her mind, she's probably thinking this path is the best. And just like the woman who committed adultery, there's something that's going on beyond the eye. And for someone who's thinking about her or has had an abortion, it could be because they fear mental and psychological pain and trauma. That's not something they want to face. It could be because of a lack of hope that God can work through this particular situation. It could be because of fear for not being prepared to be a mother. It could be because they don't want the responsibility or the shame that they think they might not be able to get over. It could be because the child's father or possible lack of presence is traumatizing and stressful. And I'm not giving these reasons to say that it's okay. I'm giving these reasons so that you can empathize and speak with love. The third application point that I really have to point out is that Jesus showed her love first. Verse six and eight says he bent down. I took that as he humbled himself, even though he didn't need to. And he extended his grace. This is the type of grace that angers people, though. And if you notice, he didn't condemn her, but he did give her hope. And he did speak the truth to her in what seems to be a more private manner when he said, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. And I think something that we forget that we don't necessarily have to condemn anyone, but there still are going to be natural consequences that come along with sin. And even if we weren't talking about this, and let's say we're talking about someone who has wronged you, there are going to be natural consequences that happen. So you don't even have to get even. Like we don't need to give them or wish a consequence would happen because it will. When we speak to someone about an issue like abortion, what should be in our hearts is to try to help them, help them avoid the pain and the consequence of making choices like this. Now, there is another group on the opposite end of the spectrum. And on this episode of God's grace angers me. There's a group that does not like the overturning and the new way, and they want to stone the people who overturn the rule. Like I saw something on social media where it was like, oh, white men shouldn't be telling women what to do with their bodies. Now, this is a little conspiracy theory-ish of me, but, you know, some people believe that abortion was created to try to control and limit people of color from actually having more black and brown babies. But that's a topic for another day. Research both sides. I think that's something you should research on both sides. Then I also saw a post where like Christians are so judgmental and I cannot stand them. It's like this statement is the epitome of being judgmental, though. Like you say you hate judgmental Christians, but yet you are obviously being judgmental when you say that. And you know what? We all hate when others do it, but it's okay for us to do it when we feel like we have a justifiable cause according to us according to me i even heard somebody on social media say this is the worst day of my entire life and it's like come on bro that's cap this man was rich and it's like come on fam this is not the worst day of your life now i think that people can be really insensitive and i think it's a little more obvious when let's say people like to bring the the argument that you know what if a woman got raped 
then they need to have an abortion because they don't want to live with the trauma of seeing a baby from a rapist every single day. And, you know, sometimes us Christians can be very insensitive, which is posting, oh, well, deal with it. God will take care of it. It's like, man, do you want to maybe get at the fact that she got raped and talk about that and show love and not overlook that? And I think that's a little more obvious that it's insensitive. But on the opposite end, it can be really offensive. And I think people also forget that they can be really offensive to those who were adopted or someone who found out that their parent wanted to possibly abort them and didn't when they choose to post my body, my rights, I can do whatever I want to do. If a woman wants to abort someone, she should be able to do it. Like that can be insensitive to that group of people as well. There's not a lot of grace and mercy with that. And I think this group of people has judgment without mercy and they think it's all about control. And if that was the case, then I get being ticked. But what about looking at it like maybe the people they disagree with really care and are thinking about the baby? Maybe someone thought about aborting and or maybe they are unable to have children and would love to adopt. And or maybe they empathize so much with the baby and are just appreciative of having life. Like people truly see the baby as a life like described in Job 31 verse 15 when he talks about being formed in the womb or like Psalm 139 verse 13 and 16 when King David talks about being a person even when he wasn't fully formed or how about science science that says that human life begins at the time of conception because the moment fertilization takes place the child's genetic makeup is already complete meaning like hair color gender eye color and other traits that are determined at conception. It's a baby. It's a life. It's just that its environment is not the world. Its environment is the mother's womb. Now, on this episode of God's Grace Angers Me, this is a topic where we feel like we have to throw a stone, it seems like. If you really feel like it's the woman's choice, show grace and mercy to the people that disagree with you. And I would say really dive into God's word and see what he says. Not what you feel, but look at what God's word actually says. Think about the grace and the mercy you would desire if you were the baby that was being aborted. Pray for wisdom. Pray for insight. And I say insight because that is where you see the underlying truth. And the main thing is we want the truth. Pray about it, though. And if you are ready to throw a stone at the women and the men who get abortions, I say men because they can pressure women to get abortions. Show grace and mercy to them. Don't aim to expose them, aim to help them, aim to love them, empathize with them. And the whole point of empathy is not to be like, hey, what you're doing, it's okay. It, it really doesn't matter. It's to be able to walk in their shoes and gain perspective and love them more godly and be a better help. With either case, just like the woman who committed adultery, Jesus paid the sins of any and every party. Don't throw stones. Don't have a desire to punish their sins so much that you start to ignore your own sins. Pray for them. Love them. And if you get the chance, remind them there is nothing that God can't work with. God's grace angers me. We all want grace and we all want second and third chances, but we're not a fan of giving them, not a fan of empathizing. You know, the reason our poop doesn't smell so bad is because it's our poop and we spend a whole lot more time with it. But if you were to smell someone else's, you'd be like, Ugh, this is this is nasty. This is the worst. 
we usually don't think our sins are as bad as someone else's. Or there's a reason I acted like that or did that is what we say. We are not comparing to other people. We are not comparing to other people. We are not comparing to other people. We're comparing to Jesus. So let's say someone goes on social media and tells a whole bunch of lies about you, verbally attacks you and your family and fabricates a story to the point where people believe it and you lose your job or you get kicked out of school. In our minds, we're like, you know what? I can get even and I can even one up them in all the wrong and the jankiest ways. And you're probably thinking just like I would be that. I'm not showing them any grace. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve the grace, but neither do I. This is where God's grace might anger you. Let's say I go and get back at that person. All I'm doing is saying that Jesus' death on the cross didn't pay for those sins, which is a lie, and slapping him in the face and disrespecting his work he did for me. And, you know, sometimes we even get to a point where we are just we think about our lives and God's grace angers us because we realize like it's crazy how merciful and how graceful he is. But his grace extends to all of us. Like I would never want to tell people about all of the embarrassing or shameful or unworthy or times where I'm like, dog, I sucked. Like I don't want to tell people about that. And in these moments, I'm not mad at God's grace. I'm thankful. I'm so appreciative. And it's very easy for me to be empathetic because I know I didn't earn and I couldn't earn God's grace and God's favor. So when I asked the question at the very beginning about if you wanted to go to that party or that banquet, don't compare to another person. Remember the standard and the criteria. The standard and the criteria is that you and I have to be perfect. And that is impossible without God. That is impossible without the blood of Christ redeeming us. So best believe and realize that all the people on that invitation and on that guest list, they've been redeemed. So though they once were murderers, they once were adulterers, they once were thieves, they once were liars, they are not known as that anymore. So why are you still looking at them like that? You and I aren't known by our sins and our mistakes and our flaws. You and I have a history and we all need a savior because that's the only reason we aren't known by that stuff. And when you think about it like that, it makes it a lot easier to empathize and to extend grace to other people because I'll be the first to admit I have been shown a lot, a lot of grace and mercy in my life. In Romans 3, verse 23 to 24, sums it up perfectly. It says, for all have sinned, all have sinned except Jesus and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It came through who? Not you, not me, not your mama, not your daddy, not your friend, not your husband, not your wife, not your girlfriend, not your baby mama. It came through Christ Jesus. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thank you for joining me on this episode of God's Grace Angers Me. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.